Well, my name is Mark Speeder. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch Fullerton. It is good to see you guys. Good to be together today. Um, you know, as we were worshiping just before I dive into the message, I just had an overwhelming sense that God wanted each of you to know that he sees you. God wanted each of you to know that um, you are not a mistake and that because he is good, uh, he cannot help but see and love you. You know, the Bible says uh, that he is a God who sees. It's one of his names. And uh, when God revealed himself to Moses, here's what he said. Um, he said that the Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I just want to speak that over some of you today that the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness to you. And I just want to pray that real quick as I start, because I just think God wants to minister to some of you today, that he sees you. Father, thank you that you are abounding in graciousness for every person here today. And I thank you, Father, that your mercy is abundant. Father, no matter where we're coming from or no matter what mess we've made in our lives or what struggle we're in, God, your mercy and grace are abundant today. You're slow to anger. And so I pray that over every person today that they would experience that you uh, see them because you're good and you're slow to anger, Father. Come, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um... You know, I was, uh, had, had this revelation as I was thinking about our parenting this week that uh, we are in a very different parenting stage than we were six years ago. Uh, now, our kids are now 10, 8, and 6, and a few years ago, many of our meals uh, looked like this. If you, uh, that's Judah. Uh, Hopefully my meals didn't look like this, but our kids' meals look like this. This is an average peanut butter and jelly eating. And look at that right there. Uh, you can go to the next one. You can, I, I like the, like, looks, uh, you just tell she has no teeth in there and just all kinds of goodness all over the face. You know, the average meal cleanup was like 10 minutes a kid, I felt like, uh, back then. We, you know, I feel like we'd go to uh, restaurants or fast food, and we'd have like, pretty much bring a tarp, you know, and set it in the table, and set a tarp under us, and apologize to everyone who works there, and do our best to shamefully clean up afterwards, right? Uh, or, or, or flying on a plane, you know, um, they look kind of happy here. Here we're going. Uh, this is a few years ago. You know, we look like they know what they're doing, but, but I have a distinct memory of uh, one of our first flights with, uh, with, with one of the kids, and I remember it was like a three-hour flight, and I think I spent two hours trying to contain a kid who was like spinning like a tornado in my arms the entire time, and I was like just looking at people like reading books and like having meaningful conversations just was such envy, like sinful envy. You know, I'm just like bitter uh, here. And I just remember being physically exhausted. Like, what in the world's going on? And I remember um, our, our youngest, for, we, we often eat oatmeal in the mornings. And, and I don't know why, but for years she just called it halky. You know, I just, I, I don't know, you know. Uh, just, the, just the memories of these early ages 
And since then, my kids have grown as people. Now there's certain things I miss, but bringing a tarp practically to everywhere we go, every time we eat, I don't miss that, you know? Uh, or, or now flying on the airplane, we have meaningful conversations as a couple. We have like deep conversations about how's life, how's marriage. It's great. Flying's great again. I just, I love flying again with our kids because it's peaceful. Um, so, you know, um, as much as I miss certain things about these years, I'm glad our kids have progressed, right? It would be weird, right, if, if my 10-year-old was on the plane spinning in my arms screaming the whole plane ride, right? There would not only be annoyed passengers, there'd be passengers probably calling CPS after uh, or probably trying to divert the plane, right? Uh, or, or I'm glad that, you know, um, that every time we got to eat, my 10-year-old doesn't look like uh, when she was six months old, right? Or, or that we're not going to send my daughter off to college calling oatmeal hauki and then wondering, you know, all her new friends wondering what is wrong, what went wrong in this person's development stages, right? You know, and uh, we naturally progress as human beings. And if my kids just suddenly stopped growing when they were seven, we'd quickly call a doctor, go see a doctor, you know, so, so we naturally progress on the outside, but I often think that in life, as quickly as we'd go get help if we just stopped growing physically all of a sudden, oftentimes when we stop growing emotionally or relationally, it goes unnoticed. Oftentimes for years, you know, it, it's, it's possible to, in our world of achievement and goal setting, accomplish much on the outside, <laughs> but still be stuck at eight years old on the inside or how we relate to people. Oftentimes, um, you know, there's, I, I think of this phrase I've heard that's been popularized, uh, the failure to launch, you know? <laughs> this concept that's been more popularized, failure to launch, that, that somewhere along the way, you know, uh, this person had a life and, and a purpose, and somewhere along the way, they got stuck or derailed, or stopped growing along the way. Um, and uh, in the book, The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt, um, they, they describe some of the fruit of creating environments where, where we're not um, pressing people into growth. They say some things like catastrophizing, where, where everything is kind of the worst possible outcome and seeing it as the most likely outcome, or... or um, or a tendency to emotionally reason, let our emotions interpret reality for us each step along the way. Or we have a tendency to overgeneralize, perceiving um, based on one or two instances uh, a global pattern of how that is how life or the world works around us. Or dichotomous thinking, an inability to think outside black and white thinking or interpretation that you're either this or that. You're either good or bad. And then a labeling was another one they, they said that our tendency to label people, this person is all good or this person is all bad. This person is amazing or this person ought to be, you know, shamed and, and put to the side or whatever. And, and, and we see this stuff, and listen, I've, I've got empathy because, man, life is complex. You know, I, I probably had failures to launch in certain parts of my life, so, so I get it. Uh, but 
I think, you know, it's one thing for that to happen kind of in our world or our culture, but when this happens in the church, right, that is where a lot of pain has happened. When we have especially pastors or leaders or people that have maybe been around the church for their whole life, but they're stuck at a a spiritual infancy, and especially if they're leading others, real pain can happen along the way. But man, I think God wants to grow us, right? Because um, you don't have to stay on the spiritual bottle, right? If you're uh, 20 years in Jesus, God wants to grow you. God wants to build you up, right? Um, I think of, you know, that reality uh, in the writer of Hebrews says, um, you ought to be eating meat and going along, but you're still drinking, drinking milk. And I, I think of... Um, you know, uh, if I were to go on my first date with Crystal and we're out to eat, and she's like, so, so what do you want? And I'm like, I'm good, babe. I actually brought a bottle. <laughs> so I'll just be, a cr- you can get whatever you want. You know, it's on me, but I'll just be drinking from the bottle over here today, right? God wants to grow us forward in this year. And so um, <clears throat> I was today going to talk on... Um, Isolation versus connection, and uh, we're actually going to talk about the next number of weeks, and so I had a dream this week that I preached on something different, and so today I want to talk, uh, sorry to pull a fast one on some of you guys, but we're going to talk on uh, personal plateauing versus personal growth, spiritually or emotionally plateauing versus spiritually and emotionally growing, growing into maturity. And so uh, we want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And my goal today um, because is, is to help us understand, number one, no matter where you are in the journey, God loves you and has grace for you today to step in and engage that journey. And, and secondly, I want to help maybe give a little bit broader framework when it comes to thinking about our spiritual growth that will only help some of us, especially some of us who have been around the church for a lot of years and have maybe felt stuck somewhere along the way or like what we were taught back in the day is not working for us anymore. I think we're going to be helped today. And so today is for those of you who feel like you're on track. Today is also for those of you guys who feel like you've fallen off or got stuck or plateaued. And today is also for some of you guys who maybe feel like you're not sure where you're at with Jesus and you want to kind of maybe explore that today. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to read Paul here is writing about, um, about the church and kind of his, his big picture uh, revelation that God has given him for the church. Ephesians 4, he's talking about how Christ descended and is now ascended. We're going to pick it up in verse 10. He who descended is the one who ascended, talking about Jesus, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, 
by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, just a few quick observations from this text in Ephesians 4. Number one, God's desire for you, no matter where you're at, is to grow us into functioning spiritual, emotional, and relational adults. Now, there's a lot of reasons we get stuck in relational patterns and brokenness or emotional patterns and brokenness. For some of us, it's what we saw growing up. It's what we know. For some of us, we had a trauma or a pain happen that we have just had a hard time moving by. For some of us, we feel like we've been tracking along with Jesus and then we found ourselves in a season of life where we got totally disoriented. And I want to talk to that in a minute, uh, here in a minute. Let me just tell you the good news of Jesus. You see, we, we live in a kingdom. We have a God that when he invites us to follow him, how he teaches us to do that is not telling us to try harder and to just be a better person and just stop sinning and grit your teeth and have a miserable life along the way. We have a God who loved you and I so much, he came to the earth and he went to the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sin and you could be adopted into a family. And then you would have a father, maybe the father that you never had, or all of us, even if our good fathers had imperfect fathers, we have a heavenly father who wants to walk us to the journey, and by his spirit, he transforms us from the inside out. So the good news today is if, man, you feel like, I'm not where I should be on this journey, there is grace today to you. God's heart for you is not anger, but it is grace for you and open arms to jump back in with him. Or for some of you who have pains and traumas of the past, the good news is we have a Holy Spirit who's a comforter who wants to meet with you and heal you and so you can break forth out of the places you felt immature, stuck, and step into all that God has for you. So wherever you're at today, there is good news. Secondly, um, we see in this passage a clear picture uh, from Ephesians of what immaturity and maturity can look like. Let's take a look at verse 14. We see kind of some of the fruit of our immaturity. God wants to move us from this into maturity. We, we, when we're immature, we are like children. Children are focused on consuming, right? They throw tantrums when they're not able to consume their way in their time, and they're unable to make wise decisions for themselves without constant parenting. And that's okay, because they're kids, Children are unable to feed themselves properly on their own initiative, as you can saw or as you can see earlier, as you saw earlier. Can't get my English straight today. Uh, 
children uh, are thrown or, or, or those who are maybe more immature are thrown and tossed by life's challenges. Something unexpected comes and it just throws their life into chaos or they have to drop all their commitments in life or whatever, uh, thrown into chaos easily. Uh, in our uh, immaturity, we, Paul says we're easily deceived by false doctrine or our lack of discernment. We can see from this text in our immaturity, we can be easily impressed by people or easily persuaded and trapped by the opinions of other people, opinions about us or opinions about the world. In our immaturity, eventually these things that Paul lists means that I believe we are easily led into our sinful desires. and We have a hard time facing and confronting temptation and sin in our lives. And we also see a clear picture of maturity here. We see that maturity looks like deeply knowing, according to this passage, the Son of God, Jesus. Maturity looks like bearing the fruit of Christ-likeness in our lives. It looks like being able to walk in unity, right? It says until we reach unity in this passage, looks like being able to walk in unity with people that are different than you, that vote differently than you, that maybe see things differently than you, able to walk in unity and work through conflict without catastrophizing, labeling, blame shifting, all the things we added earlier. Mature believers are able to minister to others and quickly take up responsibility to care for others and are able to receive and speak the truth in love. You know, as human beings, we often tend to be truth people or grace people. <laughs> well, this is just the truth, so I'm just going to say it. We've all got people like that or relatives like that or believers we know in our life. Well, it's just what the Bible says, so handle it, you know? Or grace people, you know? It's just like... If, if, if I can't say the hard thing, otherwise they're going to hate me, and otherwise this and that, and our brain goes to that catastrophizing space, maturity looks like being able to speak the truth in love, being gracious with how we handle truth and being wise. Now, the last observation, because it talks about growing up into Christ, we don't grow up immediately. So I'm not trying to put this dichotomy here today and say, because that would be the labeling thing I talked about earlier. You're either immature or you're mature, and you've got to go from here to here. This last week, we watched the movie Big. Anyone seen the movie Big, 1988? Those of you guys a little bit older, uh, here we go. Look at Tom Hanks. <laughs> what happened to him, right? <laughs> He's like offensively young looking. Uh, so, 1988, and, and Tom Hanks, uh, you know, is, his character is played by this kid at the beginning of the movie, and at the beginning of the movie, you know, he, he has, he's like 14 or 13, and he's got this crush in this older girl, and he's sad because he can never kind of attract the girl because he's too young and too little. And so it kind of comes to this pinnacle at the beginning of the movie where he's trying to go on this Ferris wheel or something with this girl he likes, and she brings this older guy over to him and says, hey, meet so-and-so. He can drive. Uh, <laughs> I like that line. It's funny. Uh, <clears throat> and so he gets all sad and walks away and makes this wish, I just want to be big. And so he goes to bed, 13, and he wakes up, Tom Hanks. Uh, <laughs> 
22-year-old Tom Hanks, 25-year-old Tom Hanks. And so in one day, he goes from 13 to 25, right? And so, listen, the, the, the walk with Jesus and growing into maturity is not like the movie Big, right? In fact, it didn't work out too well for, for Tom Hanks in the movie. He becomes a child again. Uh, spiritual maturity is not a straight line. Spiritual, emotional, relational maturity is not something we microwave. It's not a choice we make up in one day and we wake up the next day after a good sleep and are just suddenly always walking the spirit and all our relationships are healthy. Growing takes time. It takes work. It has a cost. It means looking inward. It means being messy process and community. And in fact, I would say there's many different stages to our growth along the way. So I want to take a moment and just think about our parenting. Uh, so our kids, when they're zero to three, other than bringing tarps everywhere we go and cleaning up their mess, we're focused as parents on right and wrong. It's very black and white obedience. There's basic consequences along the way. Then as they get a little bit older, we're able to explain a little bit more the why behind the what because they can comprehend it. We're able to explain the basics of God as they're three, four, five. They're learning to take basic responsibilities for themselves, for their actions, and around the house. As they get a little older, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, we're able to have real emotional conversations. We're able to go into their heart. We're able to kind of not just talk about their behavior, but we're able to say, hey, what's going on behind that? Talk to me. I want to understand you. I want to love you. I want to be empathetic so we can work together on this. We're able to talk about their fears. And then as they get into the teen years, right, we're going to be kind of supporting them through their process of reconciling what they've grown up with and what they believe and discovery and, and growing into kind of adulthood. Now, um, I was listening to a message by a pastor named John Tyson. He put it uh, in this way, kind of four main stages, and he had uh, alliteration. I like alliteration, so I thought I'd just go with it. Uh, you know, as infants, infants are focusing on consuming, right? And as, as infants become a child, uh, like I said, it's very black and white, right? So when my kids were uh, four and five, it was very much like, why do everyone know Jesus? That's dumb. Why don't people know Jesus? They should all just be Christians, right? Uh, th their brain doesn't work enough to comp comprehend the complexity, but that's how God designed it. They, they, they're in a space where the world is very black and white, and that's actually providing a firm foundation for as life gets more complex for them. And then eventually they move into adolescence, right? And um, they need to, to challenge along the way what they believe. So if you think of the life of a believer, uh, right? Everything's black and white in the younger years of a believer. But somewhere along the way, we ask the hard questions, we, we look at our church experience and we look at the Bible and we're like, hey, this doesn't always line up. Or we look at what we've been taught about God or our perceptions of God and they're like, something doesn't fully line up. We, we need to go through a process of kind of challenging maybe certain things we've learned and rediscovering in Jesus. Now, this can tend to some cynicism, which isn't 
always bad. Uh, we, I think we need to go through the process of rediscovering. And so um, just like you don't want to be a prolonged adolescent into your 30s, uh, you probably don't want to stay spiritually adolescent for five, ten years, but you need to go through those phases. You need to go through some places in your journey where you're able to ask the hard questions, where you're able to really push back, and you're able to kind of question things, and you need to kind of work through that process. And then as adults, we're able to contribute meaningfully for the long haul, right? And again, there are um, few more damaging things than an adult who's a consumer, right? Some of us, we had parents like that, or we, we know people like that, um, and, and grace, grace, uh, but God wants to move us along this journey. Now, where we run into challenges, y'all, y'all okay? There's kind of like some, some meat here today. Uh, where we run into challenges is if we treat all of these seasons in our walk with God the same. It would just be, for example, right, if, if um, my kid's an infant and they're trying to act like a teenager. I don't even want to know what that would be like. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare, right? Or, or if my kid is an adult and they're thinking, I needed to do the things that I did as a child so that I could grow, right? No, no, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, to grow, you should do the things that worked for you when you're four, you know? That's not what I'm going to parent them in. At each stage of the way, there might be some different things that they need to focus on, and it's healthy for them to say, being a child was good, and it was good for that season, and now I'm an adolescent, and that's good too, right? And so uh, in the uh, kind of Jesus world, there's something called spiritual formation where it talks about the process of someone going from this kind of spiritual infancy into spiritual adulthood. There's a lot of different ways that's put it, but um, a, a friend of Chris and I's, uh, Bill and Chrissy Gaultier, who's been a friend and kind of mentor to me along the way, uh, they are uh, counselors, been a personal counselor to me and spiritual formation coaches. I've written this book called Journey of the Soul, and they've taken some of the kind of classical process that have been lined out by others like Dallas Willard, et cetera, and they put a framework, Bill and Chrissy, to uh, our journey into spiritual maturity. Now, I want to take a minute and just go briefly through these because I think it'll be very practical for some of you who have maybe felt stuck along the way and you know what to focus on. But just a couple of notes before I do that. <clears throat> Number one, um, these are not a straight line. This is not like, here's, here's what your life is going to look like. Here's what I guarantee it's going to look like. You may not go through these in a straight line. You may kind of be circular at times. You may go through some of these twice. So I'll get to the wall in a minute, but I would say I've hit two or three walls uh, in my life along the way. Um, and there are times you do need to go back and do some of the basic things from past seasons because either you didn't pick them up or learn them or you lost them along the way. Uh, and there are certain things that are just wise to do in every season. So let me just kind of go through this briefly. Uh, one would be confidence in Christ. <clears throat> so that would be, I'm, I'm just finding Jesus. I'm a new believer, right? Re I've received his forgiveness. I received his new life. Some wise things to do for a new believer and really sitting in the good news of our salvation. 
reading the Gospels, I typically point people, just read Jesus' stories in the Bible. Just get to know Jesus. Look at Jesus, right? Find community of people around you, right? And in this stage, it's super messy. You're, you're fired up probably because it's fresh. Uh, so for me, I got saved my senior year of high school and I was all fired up and I was a mess. I was telling people about Jesus and then I was standing up at lunch on a microphone singing She Thinks My Tractor is Sexy by uh, Country Song. People are like, what is wrong with this guy? He told me about Jesus and now he's, he's, he's immature, right? <laughs> So, Lord, thank you for your grace. Uh, I was a hot mess in high school. Um, then the next stage is help and discipleship. And this can happen right away after someone is, is, a, is a new believer. We grow in community. God wants to bring us into deeper community. We're really able to learn the ways of Jesus. So this is where you learn to spend daily time with Jesus. This is where you find a small group and, and really maybe find someone or a couple people who will walk with you to teach you and show you the ways of Jesus. Learning spiritual disciplines and confessing and confronting sin in your life. It's important as soon as possible to learn, hey, how do you walk in the light? How do you confess? How do you get vulnerable? And how do you confront things in your life? So for me, as a newer believer, I got to college and I remember this guy Clark uh, started to walk with me, and Clark's like, hey, come on over. We're going to spend time with Jesus. And then he's like, next week, he's like, hey, let's go to the mall. We're going to look in the Bible on how Jesus shared life. And we went to the mall, and we, we told Jesus, we told people about Jesus and prayed for people. And Clark would ask you questions. How's your soul? How's your personal life? How's that? Um, and I was in his life group, and we'd talk about things. It was just growing in the basic things of Jesus. And man, I was fired up. I was judging people that weren't spending time with Jesus. Everything was black and white, you know, uh, et cetera. And then responsibilities in ministry. Um, we, we, we learn as a newer believer along the way, it's good. There's a Bible verse that says it's good for a man to bear the yoke when he's young. It's good to learn to take on responsibility, to volunteer, to serve. We don't need to be super mature to serve and volunteer. As a fact, it's part of our development process. But somewhere along the way, we hit what many people call the wall. The wall would be a season of intense spiritual dryness, of getting stuck of, of disorientation, maybe it's brought on by an unexpected life circumstance, it's brought on by a trauma, it's brought on by just things in the past that used to work, or things that used to feel black and white don't feel that much anymore. And I would say the wall is an aspect of our formation process. We see people in scripture again and again, we see Peter, we see John the Baptist, we see Moses, we see David, we see people hitting the wall, and God's intention is to use it, for example, like in the life of Peter, as a part of our formation process so that we can go into the depths of maturity and be fully surrendered so that God can have access to every part of our life. So I just want to say, if you're in the wall, it's not because God is mad at you. If something is not making sense or you're feeling disoriented, I believe it's because God loves you so much. He's wanting his love to break into parts of your soul that maybe weren't as accessible to him before. So that you can be transformed into his image and walk into that maturity. And if you're in the wall because of your own sin, 
I want to say we have a God of second, third, fourth, 500, a million chances. There is grace today to step into the journey, even if you're there because of your sin. So in the wall, it's important we're vulnerable. It's important we receive empathy. It's important we're grounded in God's character in Scripture along the way. If you're in the wall, please don't stop reading the Bible altogether. Um, and you might not read large portions or be on the Bible on your plan, but sit in the nature of God at least. And talk to a pastor, talk to a spiritual director, someone that can kind of coach you, or maybe a Christian counselor along the way. Now, as I just alluded to, part of the goal in the wall is to move us into an inner journey where we are even deeper in our faith. So for me, I've hit a few walls. The last one was maybe three, four years ago. It began. And man, honestly, I didn't know the amount of anxiety I lived with, parented with, and pastored with. So for those of you guys who've been around a while, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, but God, what he was doing was taking me into an awareness of self and my motives and my fears and my family of origin stuff that I honestly didn't even know how to access. I was spending time with Jesus. I was doing great. I wasn't living in sin. I wasn't, but man, it's just like certain things weren't working anymore and my anxiety level started spiking. And what's going on? And God began to take me into my heart and into my motives and I began this self-awareness journey and I found Jesus as I learn to bring the deepest parts of who I am and how I'm made for good and for broken uh, to Jesus and encounter him in the word and by spirit in that space. It's important in that space where we're learning to discuss our emotions and our motives. We can pray the Psalms. It's a very emotional book. In fact, emotions are throughout scripture, but especially the Psalms. It's important we learn to be emotionally honest and maybe have soul talks with a friend. Uh, it's important we're more contemplative and, and spiritual practices. By the way, this book outlines this. This is kind of some of my take on Bill's stuff, so some of this is, is what I've written. Um, but, but these are his stages, and you can pick up the book, um, Journey of the Soul. It's a great book if you want to dive in here more. And from there, we're, we go into spirit-led ministry, where we learn to minister from the depths of brokenness and surrender and peace and trust that we've learned through the painful seasons. And this is a great season of convergence, right? And, and we may have numerous seasons of this where we go deeper in this, but we're no longer leading out of our zeal or caring for others out of our zeal or parenting out of our zeal or just our ideals, but we're, we're leading, we're loving, we're relating to others, we're parenting, we're serving out of a deep revelation that came from meeting Jesus in our pain and, and coming to the end of ourselves and, and finding Jesus to renew our motives and purify our motives. And so we learn to really move with the Spirit and to, to walk in, in purity of motives and prayer. We learn to really listen to God in Scripture in a new, new way. We learn to abandon our outcomes, as Bill would say, to God. We're no longer driven by needing outcomes, but we're content in Jesus, and we're content in being faithful, and we really trust God with the outcomes. Let me just say, I'd say this is a season I'm in. I'm loving it. Uh, I have so much joy and rest. Uh, it's just great to not have to be in control of outcomes and to say, God's going to do what he wants, and I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to love. I'm going to take risks for Jesus. I'm going to be bold, but uh, I'm just going to trust God. 
And then transforming union. I don't have as many thoughts here because I don't think I'm here yet, uh, but it's where the journey of our soul culminates with a deep revelation of God's goodness and his, in his uh, finding Jesus in deeper ways. And that might look like more contemplative prayer. It might look like practicing God's presence in even deeper ways. And I just want to say, for those of you guys who are older in your faith, I've heard from some people who are older, it's like, I don't know my place in the body. I don't know my place in the church. Can I just say, we need you. We need those of you who are older and have gone through the stripes, gained the stripes of life. Can I say we need you? And we don't need you to be cool. We don't need you to look relevant. We need you to bring us your pain and to bring us a revelation you've gotten there and to bring us both your successes and your mistakes uh, because we need you along the way. So we're, we're a younger church. Uh, we're less young than we used to be. We're about to relaunch our college ministry as well. Uh, excited about that. So we'll have even more young people coming in. So I just want to say we need you. And your pain and your failures have not been in vain if you brought them to Jesus. And you may not feel like a sage, but you're probably more of a sage than you think. Uh, even if it's just practical life wisdom, you might be a new believer and you're older, and you may not have the depths of biblical revelation, but you got some just life revelation we need too. So I just want to say we need you. All right. So um, how do we move through? I just want to end with a couple quick thoughts on how do we move through this, this process. And I want to acknowledge there's a cost to it. Because it's easy, there's a reason why we eject along the way. There's a reason why, you know, people can have a lot of followers on TikTok and their relationships be all screwed up. There's a reason why people sit in churches for 30 years but don't know how to have deep relationships. And it's because there's a cost to going into our soul and pressing into to the pain. And man, I'm preaching on this. And I felt the spirit lead because 2023 is a year that even if you've tapped out of the process and just wasted some years in your mind, I don't think you've entirely wasted years, you might feel like it. But even if you feel like you've been floating for a while, this is a year of grace where God is opening his arms to you. Uh, author Ronald Roheiser said, real transformation of soul will not happen at Disneyland, but at Calvary. <laughs> right? Disneyland's great, but it's the cross and learning to take up our cross and finding Jesus in the pain and the depths is where we, we really grow. And so just a few ingredients, and I'm just going to kind of hit this in one minute, and then we're going to wrap up because I'm going over a little bit. Um, just some ingredients for growth that in every season we want to have these. Anyone like to cook out there? It's all about the, I'm, I don't know much about cooking, but I hear it's all about the ingredients. So <laughs> you got to get the right spice, the right flavor. You got to marinate it. You want these ingredients in. Uh, number one, we see this in the text. Who are we growing up into? It's not the favorite preacher or the Instagram pastor. We're growing up into Christ. So can I say, focus on Jesus. 
if you see, it's, it's free. You know, I, I tried to make grow happen. I couldn't get it to work, so I just did free. The more we grow, the more free we'll be. Uh, so focus on Jesus. We see Jesus is who we grow up into. And, and, and I say that not lightly because I watch people grow or go through the journey. And we go through these stages and we hit the wall and we deconstruct different things, which isn't entirely bad. But if you miss Jesus, if it starts to become about the church or about the Reformed church or the charismatic church or the liberal church or this church or other people did this to me, you miss Jesus we're going to get thrown into ditches really quickly. So, man, keep it on Jesus. No matter what people have done to you, just keep it on Jesus as your anchor point. Secondly, rooted in Scripture. Uh, There's a study done a while ago, what is the number one thing that has been the catalyst for growth? Um, It has been having access to the Bible and integrating it uh, into uh, the way we think and the way we live. And so, man, in every season, you might be in a Bible in a year season. You might be, I'm sitting in a few passages every day and going really deep. You might be, I don't know what season you're in Scripture, but let Scripture be a part of your diet. Um, so, man, I just, I would want to challenge you. If you don't have fresh revelation consisting from Scripture and you're just going on prayer or emotion, um, man, you're going to be on a roller coaster. So, we know God, first and foremost, in Scripture. Engaged in community, um, uh, we see this whole passage is about the body of Christ. It's about being a part of a larger entity, the, the body of Jesus. And it comes from being under leadership, these different five gifts. That are, these are leadership gifts. And so it comes from being under leadership in a local church each and every season, you see, that's different from being under an Instagram pastor or being on sermons online. Uh, there's difference between that and being in a local church and being engaged in community. So, man, who knows your world? Who knows your highs and your lows? Who can say the hard thing to you in love? Who can you call when it feels like you're having a terrible day and be vulnerable with? If you don't know, I want to encourage you to know. And we're doing something after church called Community Life Group Launch. If you want to learn more about that, come to that and, man, plug in and get some people around you. And lastly, embrace growing pains, right? If we're going to grow up into the head, if we're going to grow up into Jesus, you ever remember as a kid, every undiagnosed pain, my parents said, it's growing pains, right? <laughs> I don't know how much is growing pains or not, but I just want to encourage you, um, there will be growing pains, and we don't grow by daydreaming about an easier season than we used to be in. We grow by embracing the sovereignty of God and saying, whether I like it or not, I'm in this season. And I'm going to embrace the blessing and challenges of this season. And when we come out the other side of that season, you'll see that even the challenges were a blessing. So just a couple questions for reflection Band, if you guys want to come on up. Where do you think you are in these stages? What can you do to embrace the season of growth you're in? And what would stop you from that? Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's not being in community. Maybe you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Maybe you don't like embracing pain. That was like a whole theology that was underdeveloped for me uh, until a handful of years ago. It's like, man suffering 
you know, is embracing the sufferings of Christ as a part of the journey. So I just want you to sit for just a few seconds in those questions. But I, I really believe that there's some here um, who maybe you've been frustrated because you've been living with the tools you got back in a younger stage in the Lord. And it's just led you to feel like something's not working in my relationship with God or I've been stuck in my relationship with God or I've been plateaued in my relationship with God. And I just want to say, um, hopefully this is freeing today to give you grace to be where you're at. And so I believe that some of you today, you feel like you've been stuck. And I just believe today is a day of kind of being unstuck in your journey with the Lord, or at least taking a step towards that. Some of you today, you are in a wall. You're in pain. You're feeling disoriented. Maybe you're going through a challenging life circumstance. And I just believe, man, not only are Jesus' arms open to you, our arms are open to you. We want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to be present with you. We want to listen along the way. You don't have to do that alone. And for some of you today, you feel like you're doing okay, and this is an invitation for you to look around at people that are in your stage or a stage before you and to be an encourager, to be a discipler, to be a mentor, to be a friend to some people along the way. So I'm going to pray as we go into worship, Father. Yeah, I just sense maybe there's a few people here who you're being stuck. Just a lie the enemy has been, there's something wrong with me. The Lord wants to free you from that lie today. This thigh that there's something wrong with me because I've been stuck. I want to say maybe it's because you not had the right tools or the right equipping or the right... So I just pray freedom today for those who have been lied to, that something is wrong with you. And Father, I pray those of us who have been stuck due to a past pain, a trauma, a hurt, a fear of rejection, I'm praying that today would be a day where you come and begin a freedom journey. Thank you, Lord. We don't need to stay where we've been. We thank you for the grace and the seasons of the past, but we thank you that today is a new day. So let's worship. Some of you, let's just stand. If you want to stay seated, that's fine, but the rest of us will stand and worship Jesus as we respond. If you need prayer, you need a hug, whatever you need, our leaders would love to pray for you.